Hello and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. As a special effects makeup artist, you need the right makeup products to make your characters look absolutely convincing, enthralling, or terrifying to your audiences. That's where Lux Skin FX comes in, specializing in high-quality makeup for professional makeup artists. Lux Skin FX carries the best special effect makeup supplies available to the entertainment industry today. Choose from their wide selection of high-performance products, including alcohol palettes, drying blood, dirt, and they even have a small cosmetics collection, all at remarkably affordable prices. Lux Skin FX prides itself on their superior customer service and quick delivery times. Message day or night to ensure you have a seamless shopping experience. Well, what are you waiting for? Bring your characters to life with Lux Skin FX. Sign up today at LuxSkinFX.com for your pro discount and start saving. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, it's Oscars time. And of course, the Last Looks podcast is all up in that business. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams ask the same set of questions, but of course, they all have very different answers. The Oscars makeup and hair lineup for 2023 is All Quiet on the Western Front, the Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. The 95th Academy Awards will be presented at the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles on Sunday, March 12th. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast, guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort. So for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. And a big shout out to our sponsors. We thank you for your continued support. Sponsors of our Oscars special episodes are Hands Down Refresher and Sanitizer, John Blake's Wigs and Facial Hair, Lux Skin FX, Melanie Mills Hollywood, and Neo Cosmetic Cases. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Hi there. Thank you. Hey. And congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film The Batman. Thank you very much. Thank you. So let's do some introductions. If you could each tell us your name and what your position on the team was. Naomi, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Naomi Don. I was the makeup designer on The Batman. And I'm Mike Marino, and I am, I guess, in charge of the design of the Penguin Oz character. And I'm Mike Fontaine, and I was the prosthetic makeup artist for the Oz character. Awesome. So I would love to know, and I know that Naomi and Mike Marino, you've been in this position before, but I would love to know, and when you heard the news that you'd been nominated, what was that like? Talk us through it. Were you guys watching the announcement? Were you eyeballs deep at work? Like, what was going on? I was at work. I'm working on the new Steve McQueen film. So I was at work buried in a huge amount of actors and a lot of extras. And and I knew, I woke up and thought, oh, they're going to announce this today. And then I forgot. 
And then my agent rang and there it was. And then she told me it's so exciting. Amazing. It's so exciting to get nominated for an Oscar. I know it's not the first time, but it doesn't make any difference. The feeling is exactly the same. It's an incredible feeling. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's the second nomination for me and it's equally as crazy and nerve wracking and it's a huge honor because uh, doing the film was amazing in itself because I'm a huge Batman fan. But uh, being nominated is just like, it's the coolest thing. You know, I mean, it's basically all my idols and, you know, growing up, Rick Baker and Rob Bottin and everybody that's got nominated and won for makeup. I mean, it's just so cool to be in this group, in the same group. So yeah. I love it. Awesome. And Mike? Yeah, I, I woke up early to watch it with my boyfriend, Brian, and we sat down and, and watched it together and, and kind of did it. We just went in on it and it would have been, um, you know, it was, it was just really amazing to to see that because it's my first nomination. I think for this movie in particular, it's just a really, like Mike said, it's like a, a special movie for us as a project. And I grew up loving Batman. So uh, to have my first nomination be this movie in particular was really, really exciting. And yeah, it's it's thrilling. It's hard to describe. It's so exciting, Jamie. But then then you, you think, oh, what am I going to wear? That's the problem. Then, then that's all you think about. It's very accurate. <laughs> that's the next thought that comes up to mind. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> so let's get into a couple of characters from the film, makeup and hair-wise, from like research and development through to daily application. Naomi, you want to start? Well, I probably should talk a bit about Batman, about Robert Pattinson, and the idea that Matt Reeves had that he wanted this sort of slightly tortured, Kurt Cobain type of look to him. So it was very layered, the Batman look. It was Batman with all his painted black eyes and the cowl. And you know, that might seem pretty basic, but in fact, it's quite hard keeping all that black on when you're sweating under a pile of leather and rubber and everything. But then the idea that you'd see who Batman really was when he took his cowl off and you see the dripping black makeup, I don't think that's ever been seen before. And it gave a real layered feeling to the character it, it gave a sense of reality to the fact that there's a real person in there and then we kept that makeup on when he became the drifter which is this sort of interim character between batman and bruce wayne and people reacted hugely to that and my research for that was basically rock stars from the 70s and 80s and 90s and zoe tahir who's the hair designer cut that sort of straggly shag type look and I think, I think seeing him sweat and seeing him look anguished and then we did these scars on his body because the idea is that he hasn't been Batman for a huge amount of time. And so he got wounded and he had a few old scars and a lot of new scars, a lot of bruising and all of that, when you see all of that, gives an idea of a real person. And, and I think that's what people responded to quite strongly, the idea that he was a real person, not just a cartoon character, but someone who had a sense of morality and integrity and had a reason for all of this. And, and seeing the background, his background, his family background, and what created all of that and the conflict he had with that, all of that stuff, I think makes it interesting and gives it a lot of depth. It has a rawness to it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, the whole film, Matt wanted that street sort of rawness to the whole film and then I suppose the next character I would talk about would be Zoe Kravitz and the Catwoman look which I actually 
didn't design, but before I didn't design it, I was researching a lot about cat influences, cat makeup. And I always felt, I thought it should be quite linear. And, and initially I did a big tattoo, which was a long tail that went right down to the top of her bum and the cat head was at the top and sort of interesting, but we didn't do that in the end. But she wanted Pat McGrath to design her look. And that was great, in fact, because Pat rang and said, you know, we need to collaborate. She want, really wanted to collaborate so she was involved in the look of the film and didn't contrast that. And, and I was there the whole time she was doing it and she was fantastic and really good fun and great. I designed a really interesting makeup that I thought worked across all the different characters of Catwoman, all the different people that she was within the one person. So there was the hostess in the club and all her different wigs. And then actually Catwoman with her incredible leather suit that was all sort of rough, homemade feeling. And, and that knitted pussy hat, like the ones we had at the Trump demonstrations, those pussy hats that had the little ears sticking up. Just I just thought that was so clever of Jacqueline Duran, who designed the costumes. I just thought that look was incredible. And then Zoe had an idea of having very long nails, like cat-like, floor-like nails. So those went on. Those were built-up nails. They were sculpted on her fingers. And they were very long and really hard, I think, to live with. But they worked really well. It gave her a little bit of an edge. And we also let her makeup drip. We didn't, it wasn't perfect makeup. We let the eyes drip a bit. As we did with both of the makeups, they just became real. They didn't perfect. And that gave her also a sense of reality and also a vulnerability, I think, that made people relate to her in that way. That's awesome. And may I ask, what did you use on Robert's eyes? We used a, a mixture of all different things. We used a MAC pigment mixed with something. And then MAC, it was MAC mostly, they did. MAC had a, an old-fashioned cream eyeliner that didn't budge. So we used that painted across the top. And then I think we also used some gel eyeliners painted across the top. Things like the Bobbi Brown gel eyeliner and that come in those little glass pots because once they're on, they, they're sort of set and they don't move too much. And then we used just a cold pencil on the inside of his eyes as well. And he was really patient about it because to get that off every night, his eyes got really sore. He was really good about it all. It's a great guy, really great guy. And Mike's, um, you guys want to talk about Oz? Sure, sure. As far as Oz's character, which is really the penguin, which we don't really know as the penguin yet, it's mentioned in the film. He's kind of a, uh, Colin Farrell plays a kind of a mid-level mafia, you know, mob guy who's running uh, the door at the club called the uh, Iceberg Lounge, which is very reminiscent from the very origins of the penguins. The origins of the penguin really were like 1940s. I think it was like 1941 or something, first appearance. And, uh, in the 50s, and he kind of was a sporadic character. He was kind of like an art thief. He would steal paintings. He was always trying to frame Batman, you know, all that kind of thing. And in the 50s, there was an artist named Carmine Infantino, who was a really amazing comic book artist the 50s, who uh, really kind of drew the penguin in his, what we kind of remember his most, you know, famous look. He's got the uh, belly and the, and the black hair and the kind of a long nose, the umbrella he uses, all this kind of thing. And it just became like kind of an iconic villain for Batman over the years. So what I think, if you're not a comic book fan, the most, probably the more uh, noticeable or memorable part of it, part of the Penguin's 
just, I guess, fame really became in the 1966 Batman TV show with Burgess Meredith playing uh, the Penguin. And he's in prosthetics. He's got a monocle. He looks very much like the drawings. And he's got a long, goofy nose. And it works in that type of show because it's a very campy, comedic, comic book style film. And then we move along, you know, 25 years later, 30 years later, and Danny DeVito plays a very similar character, a little more realistic, but still within a world that is very cartoony and, and you can get away with a lot, you know. So he's his amazing makeup designed by Stan Winston and uh, all the people at the studio did sort of a bird-like approach to the penguin. So in Matt Reeves' version, we see the penguin again in a very, very realistic world, in a very grounded world. Mm. So how do you do that? How do you take a bird-like, goofy character and make him real? You know, so that was a real challenge. And <clears throat> and I had already known Colin. Me and Mike had worked with him many years earlier, about 10, 12 years earlier on a small film. And we had done some makeups on him. So we already knew each other. We were already friendly. I knew he'd be good. So through my initial talks with Matt Reeves, his inspiration was he wanted some kind of a sympathetic character, a sympathetic feeling to him. And he kept referencing John Cazale's character, Fredo, from The Godfather. Mm -hmm. So if you remember, if you've ever seen The Godfather, the, uh, Fredo is, is such a classic character, one of the most memorable. He always wants to be more than he is. So mm -hmm. that feeling of wanting more and being less um, was kind of, I guess, the mantra of what the Penguin's persona is. So basically, how do you take a bird, a penguin, you know, and mm -hmm. make him into a man who is real. So what I had initially done was I looked at photographs of older gangsters. I looked at pictures of penguins and I really analyzed John Cazale's face. I originally had sculpted a little bit of an overweight uh, face on Colin. I had done that and then I had done a likeness of John Cazale on Colin's face. Oh, wow. uh, and I looked at that and I was like, well, that's not really, it's not exactly what it should be. So I started kind of bending it around and pushing John Cazale's likeness around. And, um, and I moved it in a way to where the nose started looking sharp. It started looking like a beak. And I found a really great picture of Penguin's eyebrows, which were really angled down. And if you know Colin's face, his eyebrows are completely angled, going upward in this very sympathetic, kind of friendly look he's got a friendly yeah. face so yeah. i had to switch that around so i had put these 45 degree type penguin looking angle of the eyebrows going slanting in a certain sense and i found pictures of penguins and eagles that were damaged they look like war birds you know so he plays this grizzled gangster you know so i said a war bird is really kind of a cool reference so i took some of the some of the chips and scratches and scars on the beaks of these birds. I thought that was a cool idea. So I took uh, some reference of the beaks of birds and I incorporated it into the face somehow. I incorporated scars and a twisted sort of nose, sharp nose. And uh, he has a scar from going from his lower lip, I mean, upper lip all the way up across his face. One of his eyes, one of his eyes is puffy. And, you know, so he looks a little bit like he's been around the block. You know, he's gotten to a lot of fights. He's, he's really lived his life on his face, you know. So, yeah. so that really was something I wanted to portray. And I tried a bunch of things out. And it landed on something that Matt and Colin really loved. And Matt had said, well, how the hell do we do this? So I said, well, look, let's do the makeup test. We'll try 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what it looks like on the makeup test. And when we did that, Colin just completely transformed his voice, his walk, the, the whole character came to life at that point. And, uh, and we just went with it. So the first test, the first makeup was used in the film. So we didn't do any other versions. It was really, you know, bam, right there. That doesn't, that doesn't happen very often, does it? No, awesome. <laughs> it was really, you know, it was crazy. It was really a rare thing. And I think it was meant to be. So uh, it is what it is. It's part of history in film now. That's amazing. And Mike Fontaine, do you want to talk a little bit about your day to day? Yeah, for sure. Um, first, I just wanted to go back, though, and mention what Naomi was saying about the black makeup on Rob's mm. eyes being the first time anyone had ever seen that. And I, yeah. I was thinking, I remember when the trailer first dropped for the movie, how everybody was talking about that image of Rob mm. because it was so no one had ever seen Batman without his cowl and his eye makeup like that. And it was I felt like that makeup that Rob was wearing kind of sent this signal to everyone that this was going to be a new take on Batman. And uh, it was like instantly an iconic image. So it was it was really cool to see that on set. And yeah, that was just such a, that was just such a big moment for the movie. And I felt like that was like a huge thing. And uh, yeah, as far as as far as the Oz Penguin character, Mike initially told me that that Colin was cast and we were excited because like Mike said, we'd worked with Colin before, really liked him. But, you know, when you hear these things, you never know what's going to happen. And you kind of initially, when you hear about a project and get very excited about all the potentials and what could become of it. But, you know, we weren't really sure like, okay, it could be something simple that they want to do. You know, it could be like, oh, he's going to wear a nose tip and a monocle, or it's going to just be something really subtle. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we did the life cast on Colin in LA and you know, that went really well. And then it was just like, let's, let's see what happens. And, you know, Mike brought me into the studio and showed me this roughed out sculpture of the character that he had done on Colin. And I immediately was so excited. I was just like, this has to be it. Like they have to do this. This is so great. <laughs> so we, we worked together to sculpt the makeup all the details and finish separating it, putting it on positives and figuring out where the pieces would land and all of that stuff. And went to LA and did this initial test on Colin. And like Mike said, it was just like when it when it went on him, it just came together, he immediately started talking in this new voice. And it just felt so right. Later on that night it was on the Warner Brothers lot in LA and we took the makeup off and you know, Colin had been in it for a few hours. We kind of like went around the lot. We were like looking for a coffee shop. And I think we ended up at like the fountain from Friends. Do you remember that, Mike? Oh, yeah. We were, like, standing <laughs> at the fountain Friends with Colin. It was like dark out. We were like, this is so bizarre. And Colin said to us, he said, you know, I think this was one of the most special days I've had in the last 20 years because he just yeah. felt it all felt so right. And there really weren't any design changes. And then sure enough, we got the call that, you know, it was approved and that we were going to get to do this. So it was just great that something that we, you know, had hoped to be able to do something that we imagined, you know, going to this level, we actually got to do it without having to scale it back or change it. So that was great. And then going into the shoot was really a matter of just executing that as you know, perfectly and accurately as we possibly could for every single day that he was he was in that makeup, and there was no room for error. You know, we were we were going to be seeing it in close ups. 
shooting under all different lighting conditions and it really needed to be perfect in the rain soaking wet upside down in a car <laughs> yeah the rain was crazy because uh greg frazier was shooting it and he was like oh we can get close now we can shoot it at any angle and colin would wait around half the day and they finally get to this scene mm -hmm. and colin would be completely soaking wet and you know the hair was dripping and the, you know i'm freaking out going oh god everything's gonna get ruined and the paint is gonna come off and you know all these things but it actually held up really well and it's kind of a cool scene if you remember in the very beginning of the film colin is yeah. uh dripping wet shooting firing an uzi at, at batman so yeah i mean how cool is that <laughs> right <laughs> so with all the nominees every year i feel like the work is so varied and so different how do you feel your work does differ from your fellow nominees this year well, it's going to differ because the movies are all different. The, you know, the subject matter is so different and the style is very different. And that's every single film looks completely different to the other one. So that's how they differ. I mean, although we're a comic book movie, there's a huge reality. And I suppose in, in a sense, the whale looks very real. You know, it's an incredible makeup and it looks very real. And you see people sweat and you see him go through everything he goes through. But I think really... They're just different films, so they're going to look different. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, I think our film is it's a reality based film, like as if it could happen. But it also, even even as much as it goes away from comic book, it still has a sort of a dramatic and uh, character based approach. You know, so I mean, if you see Colin as Oz in the makeup walking down the street, he looks extreme. Mm -hmm. You know, but it looks realistic, like as if it all could have happened. But it's definitely yeah. an extreme. It's almost like if you took a, you know, a, a Dick Tracy character and, and made him a, an updated, you know, realistic version of that. I mean, it's like it's a character. It certainly is a character. It's not quite just a realistic makeup, even though it, it sits within that realm. It's on the verge of, wow, like this is crazy, <laughs> you know, so... I think I think the other thing, the way that our film, just thinking about it now, varies from the others, is that we created an entire world, a real world, but an entire world that was reflected in the corruption and the way people live their lives. And somehow, and then you're vigilante fighting for some kind of righteousness. And but we created a nightclub full of criminals, and we had corrupt police, and we had people who were just living and politicians. It was. A whole world that we created and possibly that's where we differ from the others and i would love to know i mean you spoke a little bit about the rain mike but your biggest challenge throughout this whether it was in prep or during filming would have been your biggest challenge do you think looking uh, back honestly the biggest challenge was during filming uh when colin lost 30 pounds that was a huge challenge uh -huh. because we had already established this character which was filmed and it was a success uh, and then we paused about four or five months uh, and came back to the film and Colin had lost 30 pounds. So none of the pieces wow. fit. So we had to re-sculpt the makeup again, <laughs> you know. So, you know, it was it was a challenge to try to recreate something that was kind of this magical look. And how do we recreate it now? Oh, God, I hope it moves right. I hope it looks right. You know, so it, it wasn't something that I looked forward to doing. So... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we felt like, okay, we finally got it. And then it was like, okay, no, you have nothing now. 
<laughs> so he like, dude, stop yeah, I did. I, I was like, dude, stop. And he goes, I, I'm trapped in my house. All I'm doing is riding my bike. So I can't leave, you know. So, so he was just like continuously shedding weight. Awesome. Naomi, um, challenges. Well, we had huge crowd scenes. We had we had sort of Halloween crowd scenes, massive funeral ones, and the huge challenge had to be dealing with all of that through COVID. It was really, really hard. And I don't really want to go on about COVID particularly, but it really created a very difficult situation with hundreds of people and makeups. And we were one of the first films that went back after lockdown. And that has to be one of the biggest challenges. And the other challenge was that I forgot that Batman only comes out at night. So we spent a year in the dark and that was that was quite difficult after a while. But you know, and then that was it. I mean, that was the big, but COVID was the biggest challenge on this film, really, I think. And Fontaine, challenge? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that Colin losing weight was, was a difficult moment for me and Mike because we were faced with resculpting this piece and there was so much work put into all these um, very, very fine details and acne scars. And there was, there was so many hours of work in that sculpture. We really didn't want to resculpt it. Um, and then when we realized we had to, that there's no like technical solution around that, we sort of went for it and it ended up being a good thing in the end. It actually was, was a better makeup having had the chance do it a second time and re-sculpt it a second time. We solved a lot of problems. So in that way, that challenge ended up being a blessing in the end. And um, and once we got into the day-to-day of the shooting, I feel like the challenge was kind of self-imposed because we said to ourselves, okay, you know, one way to do this is just to kind of do the same thing every day and, and just repeat it and become comfortable. Mm. Or we could just try to really push ourselves and see if we can do it better and faster each day. So yeah. every day Colin would, would time us. He would start his timer when he sat in the chair and we were, okay, how fast can we get this? How can we do it to a level where we eliminate steps that aren't needed? And yeah. we ended up, the initial test was around four hours and we got it down to an hour and 45 minutes. Nice. And it actually looked better when we did it at an hour and 45 minutes because we put more time into the prep and we were yeah. solving problems. So we just never became complacent with it and uh, pushed ourselves to the very last day of shooting it. That's awesome. So um, I want to move on to lessons learned. So Naomi, I mean, I don't know whether figuring out earlier on that it was going to be all nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lesson learned. Or what was, what was, yeah, what was, what was something that stood out to you as taking away as learning from that whole experience? Well, that whole film was a huge balance between this whole prosthetic department. I had two prosthetic departments because I had Tristan versus Luis doing the regular prosthetics and wounds and eyes and swellings and that. I just think, I don't know if I learned, I don't know what lessons I learned that aren't going to get me sued if I mention them. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that it was a huge movie. It was a massive balancing act. And um, I think my biggest lesson is not to shoot a massive movie with prosthetics and huge crowd scenes in the middle of a raging pandemic. I found I was very it was very stressful for me and and um I mean we it was fine we achieved it and nobody got too sick it was just a the whole film was a big balancing act and I think doing a similar sized film right now I think I probably learned how to deal with people and crowds and make it all work together I think that's the lesson I took away from that 
Yeah, well, I think um, I think we learn a little bit of something on every film, and this one in particular. Mm-hmm. I was initially I was on set doing the makeup on Colin at the beginning. Mike wasn't there. He was there during the testing, and I was there with an assistant and another artist, uh, Euron Lundstrom, and we kept shifting around different people throughout this journey. And I think I learned really how to delegate crew and to trust their talents more than just relying on myself, you know, because I'm a lot of the time wanting to yeah. do everything myself and, you know, paint it and sculpt it and do this and that, you know, and um, I really, I couldn't go back at a certain point and Mike had taken over. Uh, Yaron was gone and Mike took over and I, I really trusted Mike to, to just do, you know, what we know we've done all these good makeups together and I had him independently kind of in charge of that of Colin d- during my absence and uh, I think it turned out better because I was able to look at it from afar and my, Mike's great artist mm. anyway so I had to lo- I looked at it from afar and I'd say oh I'd look at a picture and be like oh yeah that, well that's great I mean can we add a little bit of this seeing it from a you know it's always good to see second eyes you know so we would communicate that way and I think it taught me really how to delegate through a pool of really talented people and giving some trust to them to really kind of do their thing. So it really, you know, made me open up collaboratively. So and I think it's a good thing because Rick Baker has done that and, you know, many other great artists of the past, you know, and, uh, and I think, I think it's a good, it was a good thing for me to do. Yeah. I think it is something you need to, to learn at some point, which is awesome. Mike Fontaine, how about you? Yeah. I felt that too, Mike, because a lot of the movies that Mike and I have done, you know, we do it, you know, very much together in the same room and it can be, it can be very contained. And because this movie was, it was such a huge scale. And on top of that, it was spread out. It was the longest project we'd ever worked on. Even aside from the pandemic, it just was, was a very, very long shoot spread out over many, many months. Mm. So we definitely adapted to that. You know, it was different from how we've worked in the past. But I feel like we took all the all the tricks and all the sort of language that Mike and I have, have built up with each other over the years of how we look at makeup and, and how we do these things. We sort of applied it in a different way. And even though we were, you know, separated through a lot of it, there was that communication was always really strong. And, you know, Mike Mike and Naomi especially had the crazy, crazy task of, you know, leading these massive teams. I mean, Mike's Mike's team alone, I mean, there's mold makers and silicone casters in two different countries yeah um and hair people and i mean we you know new york la london it was it was a huge operation so yeah watching watching him do that in a new way was really cool for me i think the lessons learned were really a a lot of like technical things that we were, were able to kind of iron out things that we were testing over the years that I think finally came together. There's a lot of stuff on coming to America that we were experimenting with, with silicone that we were able to apply in this in a new way, in a better way. And, you know, we had, we had a lot of artists working on it. We had um, David Melanowski came in and worked with me and applying the makeup at one point. And he brought a lot of his knowledge to it. So I picked up things for him. We would share information. Everyone would all, we would all share information with each other. So I just walked away from it knowing a lot more about the craft than I did when I, when I started the job, which was, which That's was awesome. really cool for me. Yeah. yeah, that's what you want. So did you want to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project? Oh, yeah. I would like to say a special thanks to uh, Jamie Lee. Oh, don't be smart. (laughs) (laughs) Which which helped uh, us 
at our initial makeup test with Colin Farrell, and she styled and combed and cut and and got our initial wig into really great shape. So thank you, Jamie. <laughs> You're very welcome. But I had a very big crew on this. Uh, not just me and Mike. It was the studio, which a lot of the unsung artists are kind of in there making the things happen and the mold making and, and the technical things. And it was Crystal Urado, Trent Taft, Olivia Lagun, Izzy Galindo, Sasha Camacho, uh, Claire Fluin, who built the bodysuit, Lisa Lustman, who is coordinating everything at the studio, Yaron Lundstrom, Xander Fontier, so many other artists out there, David Malinowski, Arturo Balsero, just so many artists across different countries and in the studio. And uh, there's just a big, big group, group effort and collaborating. You know, it's like, I always look at it like uh, a big band or something, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't mm -hmm. just sing, you can't just play drums. And, you know, everybody has this crucial part in the whole band, you know, so once people listen to the music, it's all comes together, and nothing is really singularly better than another, you know, so I think it's a uh, Without the team in the uh, in the studio and outside the studio on set, it's just like a huge job. You know, it's just uh, they can't give awards to twenty five people. So this award would really, you yeah. know, if we won, it would really be for them. Oh, absolutely. So Norma Webb, my key makeup artist, was incredible. Dune Forsyth looked after Rob Pattinson completely all the way through. She did the scarring, the eyes, and took care of him. And Gemma Caballo was the crowd supervisor. And I'd also like to thank Tristan vs. Luis for all his work, his bodies, his scars, his eyes, his all the prosthetics that he did for us. And also Chris Lyons and his great teeth at Fang Effects. That's awesome. Mike Fontaine? Yeah, I mean, Mike mentioned most of the crew. Um, there's also Art Sakamoto, who made amazing teeth for, <laughs> for Colin. And uh, uh, Susie Redford, who did the application with me uh, for a few weeks. But yeah, I mean, it's that's one of the coolest things about doing this stuff is that, mm. you know, you walk into the studio or the trailer and there are these amazing artists there. And, you know, we'll go in the back at Mike's studio at ProRed and Trent and Olivia are making this incredibly complicated, collapsible mold that I, I can barely even understand how it's being assembled. And it's, it's, it's just brilliant. And then you have you know, Sasha and, and Diana making these beautiful hair pieces. When you glue them down, they're just like invisible. And, and Claire's bodysuit. I mean, it just, it just doesn't end. It's like working with these people. It's, it's such an honor and it's so much fun because everyone pushes each other. So it's like Mike said, it's, you know, the, the award recognition is so much for the team and you know, we felt we felt that way on coming to America last year, and it's a great thing. We're very, very grateful, and grateful to Mike for leading all of these people, which is a huge responsibility in addition to doing the artwork. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Well said, guys. So, a massive congratulations again. Being nominated for an Oscar is pretty awesome. <laughs> so, enjoy the ride, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jamie. Always a pleasure speaking. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really always love doing your podcasts. Your questions are great. You're very welcome. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, 
or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.